This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and I'm glad to have you along as we take a closer look at how the church continues to live out her evangelizing mission. My guest this week is Paul Rose, who created a podcast to help people pray morning and evening prayer. Um, So praying the liturgy of the hours is an important part of my vocation, as it is for many others. But a few years ago, I was having trouble finding some good resources to help me pray. And so I was personally very grateful for Paul's work of putting together this podcast so I could sing along with the rest of the church every day. And really, when we're praying and singing with the Universal Church, that helps to equip us for the mission to go out into the world, to share the gospel, to bring that song of the good news to those who need to hear it. So please enjoy my conversation with Paul as he shares what he's learned about the history and the beauty of the Liturgy of the Hours, which, as you'll hear him say, invites us to participate in a Trinitarian love letter. I'm joined today by Paul Rose, who was the creator of Sing the Hours, a podcast where he sings morning and evening prayers. Uh, Paul, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today? Thanks for having me, Miriam. I'm doing just great. It's cooling off here in Boston, but uh, it makes you look forward to the the sunny times more, you know? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And having spent eight years in Boston, I, I know this season pretty well. Um, yep. Waiting for the the cold and the, and the winter, but yes, the sun on the other side of it. Uh, so, Paul, before we talk about your wonderful ministry uh, connected to the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, could you tell us a bit about your own walk of faith? Uh, could you share with us how Christ was shared with you? Yeah, so Christ was shared with me first in my in my baptism when I was an infant. I was actually raised evangelical, but we mm-hmm. were part of a what they called a interdenominational church. So they did adult baptisms, but they also, if people requested, would do infant baptisms. And my parents were kind of closet, traditional, traditional minded Christians. So they, uh, they baptized us. So Christ gave me his, his grace when I was an infant, un, unmerited and unbeknownst to me. And then it was, it was fully activated when I was 14. And in 2009, I, I received the grace of confirmation in the Catholic faith. And my family had kind of a, or at least half my family had a, uh, a beautiful, outpouring of grace and were fully received into the Catholic church. And then God continued to share with me over, over the last 12 years. Um, very gradually he graced me with a further understanding of what it means to really pray and worship. And I actually received that through my uncle who lives in Portland, Oregon, and he was a, a fanatic for doing the Liturgy of the Hours. And there was one year in my early 20s where he called me up on uh, on my on my birthday 
before New Year's Eve and said, you know, Paul, what if the next year we call each other every night and do either night prayer or evening prayer of the Liturgy of the Hours together and sing it to each other on FaceTime? And I said, I'm in. So for 365 days straight, even though at the time I was living in my 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 home of origin in uh, San Jose, California, and he's up in Portland, Oregon, we called each other every day and we sang the Liturgy of the Hours. And so I'm I'm very grateful for that experience. And then sporadically over the next some odd years, we did uh, occasional liturgies together over FaceTime. And yeah, so that's sort of how I was introduced to both the Christian faith in my baptism and then the Catholic faith specifically, and then the Liturgy of the Hours. That's wonderful. And now for those uh, listeners who might be unfamiliar with the Liturgy of the Hours, could you describe what it is and uh, has this tradition been in the church since the beginning? Where did it start? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So scholars believe that the, liturg- the the liturgy of the hours actually began in temple worship. So mm-hmm. at the time of Christ, even before the, the the Christian church was established, the our our predecessors, our, our fathers in faith, the yeah. the Jewish people were already praying the liturgy of the hours in its okay. uh, in its kernel form, which would have been just praying the Psalms at set times of the day. And okay. there's evidence in the, in the, in the new Testament that that followed a third hour cycle exactly as it does today. So basically mm-hmm. let's fast forward 2000 years with what the liturgy of the hours is today for Catholic priests. And then also for many other flavors of Christian for Orthodox mm-hmm. priests, for even Lutherans pray the liturgy of the hours and Anglicans, but let's focus on for a Catholic priest or deacon. Mm-hmm. The liturgy of the hours is one of the promises that they make at ordination. It's as serious of a promise as their vow to celibacy or to obedience to their Bishop. And it's a promise mm-hmm. to pray the Psalms of David from the Bible mm-hmm. in a, in a set cycle called the Psalter at every third hour of the day. So a priest is canonically bound under, as you you might say, traditionally pain of sin to pray the Psalms throughout the day. And then also that's what, especially with, you know, the, the rule of St. Benedict and as various religious orders developed, what a, if you've ever wondered, what does a monk or nun do? What does a religious yeah. person do that ordinary people don't do? And the chief thing that separates traditionally a monk or nun from a lay person is they, they quote unquote, leave the world to enter into continual prayer mm-hmm. and sing the liturgy of the hours in common and in community or with, you know, in the, in the order of St. Benedict, they had aura, which is to pray mm-hmm. the liturgy of the hours together and labora, which is to work together and, you know, mm-hmm. tend the vineyard and whatever monks do in, in their various monasteries. So, Basically, the Liturgy of the Hours is the public prayer of the church. It's something that priests make a commitment to do. It's something that consecrated people make a serious commitment to do. It becomes their entire identity. And it's called leaving the world because the the church has always had this tradition that we're going to be singing eternally to God in heaven. Mm-hmm. So all scripture will pass, pass away, but some say the Psalms won't. The Psalms will be our eternal love letter to God that we sing for billions of years into eternity. And so a monk or nun leaves the world, a consecrated person leaves the world because they're going to start participating in that heavenly reality now. So it's the highest vocation because you're already doing what every Christian will be doing forever. Um, and it is for that reason, and not to get totally in the weeds here, that no, I like great. 
I like to think of purgatory as singing lessons because if heaven, I mean, think about the average modern person, it's very uncomfortable singing publicly, let alone with, with everybody. And so, um, if singing at church is difficult for you, or if, you know, singing in front of people is difficult for you, then singing lessons might be what's on the menu in purgatory because that's, that's the heavenly destination. Um, so that's what the liturgy of the hours is. It, it unites the heavenly throng of saints with the earthly. And it's, it's an essential part of what it means to be a religious. It's an essential mm-hmm. part of what it means to be a priest. And it also is something that lay people are invited to do regularly mm-hmm. because it's part of our Christian dignity. In fact, it, it really is, I, I believe, a key answer to the question, what does the priesthood of believers mean? Yeah. The priesthood of believers means, say, many of the council fathers in the Vatican Council, that every... For example, in the Mass, every single Catholic present can offer the, the the manifest sacrifice of Calvary in Mass on the altar of their heart. Right there's there's a there is a priestly offering that, as a a body politic of the Church, we all can participate in. Yeah. And, and I believe that that is also described by by many um, fathers of the Church as the sacrifice of praise. So the dignity of a Christian, the baptized, is able to truly and it says this in the catechism, we are, we are made able to worship in spirit and truth, God, the father. So that worship is unlocked when we do the Psalms. So every single Christian can participate in the liturgy of the hours validly and licitly. It's the only type of public prayer mm-hmm. where you don't need an ordained clergyman in order for it to be valid. So like you need a priest to do the mass you need in ordinary circumstances, you need a priest or a deacon to do a baptism Mm -hmm. in an ordinary circumstance. You, you obviously need a priest to to hear a confession, but those liturgies need the, the specific in persona Christi priesthood, but the liturgy of the hours, and it's called liturgy because it's public prayer. It's Mm -hmm. the whole church uniting in one voice that can be done by male or female, ordained or not ordained, it can be done by any Christian. It's part of our dignity, which is why does, does a monk receive ordination? No. Does a nun mm-hmm. receive ordination? No. Mm-hmm. But they enter into the most perfect vocation because they're entering into and, and giving over their entire lives to the public prayer of the church that is the liturgy hours. And any lay person can participate as much as they feel led to in that song to Christ. That was a really long answer. I hope, no, it's, <laughs> I hope that I didn't get too caught in the weeds to lose the big picture, but that's, no, that's what great. the liturgy of the hours is. No, it, it's great. And just as a follow-up question, it means that there is a connection then to the Sunday liturgy somehow. How are the, I'm just curious, how are the liturgy, of the hours connected to the rest of the liturgical life of the church? Yeah. I, I like to think of it as diet and exercise. Um, okay. On Sunday, you you can't live unless you eat, and your spiritual uh, identity, you know, the the new man that we receive in baptism, it, it will wither and die without the Eucharist. The Eucharist is is Christ says, you know, in, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no life in you. Mm. But Christ also says that man cannot live on bread alone, even bread of heaven but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the Eucharist that we receive on Sunday is nourished and watered. The seed of the Eucharist is nourished and watered by the continual sacrifice of praise and the worship of God. And it's similar to in the Jewish temple because our, our faith is 
really a fulfillment of the Old Testament law. It's not that the Old Testament law was abolished, but that what was what was symbols and foreshadowings is now fulfilled fully mm-hmm. in Christian worship. And in the in the Jerusalem temple, you know, in, in the times of King David, you had the sacrifices on the altar, the blood sacrifices, but mm-hmm. then you also had the continual praises of God being sung morning, evening, et cetera. And, and, you know, it says in, in the Psalms, every Psalm has a, for the choir master, for the, and yeah. these, they, they were meant to be sung at appointed times and the worship of God never ceased. So we have the sacrifice of Calvary in the Eucharist, but the worship of God should never cease. Mm-hmm. And, and it's through that worship that the, the, the grace is given to us in the Eucharist are unlocked. It's through that worship that we are formed into the new man that is being nourished by the Eucharist. And it's through that worship that we receive the ability to, um, I, I believe truly evangelize the world. You mentioned this idea about leaving the world through the liturgy of the hours, but when we evangelize, we have to go into the world. So kind of bringing that spirit of worship and, and praise, uh, and bringing that to our mission to share the gospel, um, to all the world. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Paul Rose, who is the creator of Sing the Hours. It's a podcast where he sings morning and evening prayers. Uh, so Paul, I have to ask, where did you get this idea to uh, start Sing the Hours? When did, when did it happen? And um, yeah, where can people learn more about it? Yeah, so um, I started Sing the Hours, which you can find on YouTube or Spotify, iTunes, any they don't call it iTunes anymore, do they? It's Apple Music, <laughs> Apple Podcasts. But that's the the millennial in me, you know the the iTunes. But yeah, so it, you can you can find it on any podcast platform. And I I was very despondent during COVID, mm. uh, and I remembered that experience with my uncle Frank yeah. of praying the liturgy of the hours. And I actually had a a Catholic counselor who whose whole career was spent counseling priests. And uh, I was very fortunate to be connected with him. And he recommended, he said, you know, what's really good for having the blues is singing to begin with. But then also, um, if you have ever sung the liturgy of the hours, then that's a really good thing too, because then you're getting not just a sort of physical, natural uh, relief, but truly the, the spiritual and I said, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. So I just started praying as many offices as I could every day. But when I prayed the Liturgy of the Hours with my Uncle Frank years ago, we made up every tune. We had no idea what we were doing. And it was, it was very pious, but very, (laughs) if, if I could ever listen back, there's no recording of of what we did, but uh, it, it, it would probably make me wince today. So I wanted to learn how to offer a better sacrifice of praise. I wanted to figure out how to make it sound more like the voice of the church instead of just my own uh, musings. And so I looked for a podcast online and I could find nothing where it was sung. And so I basically, after being despondent for a couple of days, my entrepreneurship brain kicked in and I thought, I'll just start one myself. And at the beginning, I I actually have a a friend who now is is part of an awesome, uh, an awesome Catholic Scola called Floriani and uh, mm-hmm. my friend Giorgio, he uh, he texted me when I started the podcast and said, "Paul, you sound like Justin Bieber convert, converted to Catholicism and became a monk." Because I because I was trained in in pop, right? 
And so, yeah, it just, it sounded like a, like a, uh, a pop cover of what the Liturgy of the Hours should, should be, um, at the beginning, but then mm-hmm. gradually through great, great mentors like Giorgio and, uh, even, even my, a couple of parish priests here in Boston, um, Father Nathaniel Sanders and Father Patrick Fiorillo gave me a lot of crash courses in chant. And I kind of learned how to configure my voice to the, to the bride of Christ. That's awesome. And do you still make up the tunes, Paul, or is, are you working off of, how do you find the music? Yeah. So, so that's a big, big question with <laughs> a long answer. So I don't make up the tunes. The, okay. I follow the, the nine Psalm tones, and this is some deep lore, but I believe that this lore is the backbone of all of the music that we know today. Even, even, uh, even Taylor, the the Taylor Swifts and Justin Bieber of the world don't realize that <laughs> every note that they conjure up is based on this this backbone lore of how music came to be. Okay. The first the first written music was actually Catholic chant. Now there there may be some extraordinary exceptions to that. People think they've found ancient Greek music written down, but but nobody knows what the notes mean. The first music where a modern scholar can look at it and say, I, I could I could sight read this hmm. is Gregorian chant. So the Catholic Church gifted to the world written music. And modern musical notes, our little circular notes, are based mm-hmm. on, in the same logic, the, the same step scale as what chant music is based off with its square notes. And okay. those are called modes, and they follow the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, to. It follows the same mm-hmm. scale, and that is how music in the world, not just the Western world, in the world really was, was standardized through the, the desire of Benedictine monks, of, um, of Roman deacons and priests and choirs to be able to sing in unison together, not just mm-hmm. through at that point for, you know, tens of thousands of years that humanity existed. It was always in oral tradition music. Nothing was mm-hmm. ever put to paper yeah. until, and it's attributed to Pope Gregory, although it probably happened a couple centuries later, the, uh, the church had a vested interest because of the, the, the view that, that the music is part of the revelation of God itself. The music is part of God's um, manifestation of beauty to us. And so just like scripture, like ev- everyone knows that Bibles were the first books that were bound like that with mm-hmm. some exceptions, of course, but okay. the, the book is, was designed so that people could catalog all of the, the, the Christian scriptures together in liturgical worship. Mm-hmm. And, um, before books, it was scrolls and scrolls yeah. became wieldy because you have this whole like, you know, closet full of scrolls. It's hard to find what you're looking for, especially in Christian liturgy where we have so many, like, you know, so many varied readings throughout the year. Imagine how long it would take if, if in, if in one day, you know, the 30th Sunday in ordinary time, you're reading from Exodus. And then in the 30th Monday, you're reading from, you know, uh, Zechariah, you know, it, right. it would be very unwieldy. So books were invented for that purpose, but music was invented so that we could also sing our music together, which was also precious. Every note was precious. Mm-hmm. So I do Gregorian Psalm tones and to make a long answer, but I, I, I got to reel myself in here, Miriam. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I use the, the traditional, um, I, I would call them, uh, tunes, but mm-hmm. they're, they're called tones and they basically, you know how a lot of pop songs have the same chord progression and sound sure. kind of similar. Yep. It's, it's the same thing with chant. There's basically nine um, possible, let's call them uh, genres. Okay. They're called modes. They're called tones, but I'll call them, them, them genres. There's nine genres of songs that that the Psalms can be um, plugged into. Um, okay. 
And as a brief example, just to put, because I'm talking all theoretically, let's just do yeah. a really brief example. So the, um, the psalm this morning for, for Friday, every Friday is, I'll, I'll start in tone two. So tone two is example, which is tonus tristis. This is the sad tone. Sounds like mm-hmm. this. Have mercy on me, God, in your kindness. In your compassion, blot out my offense. Oh, wash me more and more from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. So it always goes like da, 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 da. On the penultimate syllable, it's going to go up one mm-hmm. a step. Da, da. And then in the, what's called, that's the median. And then it goes da, 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 da. So every two lines have this repeating tune and it can repeat for the whole psalm. You could read the whole book. You could sing the whole book mm-hmm. of psalms straight like that. That's tone two. But then if I wanted to, make it sound angelic, tonus angelicus would be, Uh um, have mercy on me, God, in your kindness, in your compassion, blot out my offense. Oh, wash me more and more from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Mm. So that's a repeating tone. It'll happen for the next, you know, every two lines. And that goes, da, 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 is the median. The median is four notes and it will always do that basically in the last four notes of every single uh, alternating line. And then the second line of each couplet has a da, 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 is the standard tone seven. So that's tone two and tone seven. But now if you can imagine there are nine of them and those wow. are the, the nine that I, that I would choose from just like we've done for at least 1500 years. I'm learning all of this for the first time. So this is this is fantastic to learn. Um, you know, Paul, we have a couple minutes left. And for those who are who are listening to us who might feel inspired to try out praying, uh, morning and evening prayer, do you have any um just suggestions for someone who's just starting out, like maybe a space to set up or how to carve out that time? What might you tell someone who's just starting out? Yeah. So I would tell someone, fake it till you make it. Uh, the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. And I can say from experience, I knew nothing and received basically no formal training in singing with the with the voice of the church, which is in Gregorian chant. It works perfectly fine in English. You don't need any sort of specialized English tones. The Anglicans mm-hmm. mostly just use Gregorian psalm tones, and they've been using them for 500 years in, England, mm-hmm. in Anglican English worship. So just look up Psalm Tone 2 and look up Psalm Tone 8 and start singing the psalms. Or if you want a shortcut, look up Sing the Hours and exactly. uh, listen to uh, my singing of the mm-hmm. Liturgy of the Hours. And and so- sometimes we have special guests sing with us as well. And you can join your voice and just sort of fake it till you yeah. make it by singing along. There's apps where you can get the text or we post it on YouTube, the text as well. And you can, yeah. you can try singing along with us. And the the important thing is that not only is there the spiritual economy in the economy of salvation, what people do when they pray the liturgy of the hours is they intercede for the whole world. I I think maybe every conversion that's ever happened happens because some monk somewhere or some consecrated person somewhere is singing the, singing the liturgy of the hours. And that, that basically just covers the world in a reign of grace. When, when you fill the world with the praises of God, you literally bring heaven to earth. It's, it's, no less than life and death for every soul in the world to participate in the liturgy of the hours. But also if, if we can get the Christian people singing again, and we live in a post singing culture, a post worship culture Mm -hmm. where now worship is just, it's based on our, just like everything is based on our fancy, like worship is traditionally, this is what my, my uh, dear priest friend, father Pat, um, father, 
Nathaniel Sanders, who sometimes sings on Sing the Hours, says. He says, worship, and this is the traditional Catholic view of worship, worship is offering God's own words back to him, which is why all of the liturgy hours is basically scripture. It's all the Psalms, because we can't offer God a sacrifice of praise that will mean anything to him because he doesn't need anything from us, right? God is totally self-sufficient in the Trinity. But what worship is, is offering, is participating in that Trinitarian love letter to Mm -hmm. one another. It's it's participating in Christ's worship of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so the only worship that is is going to do anything is worship where we offer Christ's way of worship back to him, to the Father. And what that does when it happens, if Christians can get singing again, um, in 1928, Pius XI wrote, quote, he said, he said, uh, history tells us how in the ancient basilicas where bishop, clergy, and people alternately sang the divine praises, this is Vespers, the liturgical chant played no small part in converting many barbarians to Christianity and civilization. And he goes on to, to describe how, but it's basically the music itself is a manifest window into heaven. Once you start listening to sing the hours, my encouragement to you would be to go to your parish priest and ask if you might add just one evening prayer a week, maybe a Tuesday evening, or preferably as the second Vatican council says, it says at the very minimum, a parish it says that pastors should see to it, so should implement at least, it says, as the bare minimum, Sunday Vespers. Mm. So that's my appeal to the Christian faithful is study up on the liturgy of the hours, listen to sing the hours, and then imagine bringing it to your parish. It's there in the public document. That document was voted on, you know, 2200 to four. Every bishop mm-hmm. in the world agreed at the time, every bishop that, that Vesper should be sung in every parish in the world, at least on Sundays. And if we haven't done that yet, then there's, you know, there's a lot of grace being left on the table. And there's a lot of conversions yet to happen. If people could walk in and see the Christian faithful offering true worship, it confers brilliant grace to those who participate. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, may God continue to bless you and your family and uh, your continuing work with Sing the Hours. God bless. God is good. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Miriam. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me and countless others in praying the Liturgy of the Hours as we seek to strengthen the bonds within our church, within the body of Christ. Let's keep exploring this treasure of the divine office, this beautiful gift that allows us and invites us to anticipate with great joy the wonders that await us in heaven. And I also hope you'll join me next time as we continue to hear stories of how the Holy Spirit is at work in our world today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.